baie welkom. Hier is een product van Havester Reformerende Gemeente Olifants Revier Vallei. Aan die woord, Apostel Jan Oosthuizen. I'm very happy to hand over to Apostel Jan, who need no introduction, but it's always lovely to see you and to have you. Do you, you want to share something? Prophetess Chantal, sure. It's a, it's a wonderful couple in the ministry, and I remember as a student in 2001, to uh, Apostle Jan still lectured. He'd drive all the way from Citrusdal through in the mornings. I don't know what time you had to leave, but it was incredible. And um, what a privilege to know both of you, and what an example of a couple in the ministry at, never, at, at any stage, never scared to take a risk to, to further the kingdom of God. Really incredible. Teacher Chantal. Ach, prophetess Chantal. Morning, everyone. From the beautiful valley of the Olifansrafir Vallei. <laughs> um, it's really a privilege to be here in Cape Town. We are not here often enough. And um, yes, God is so good. I want to encourage you, the Lord gave me such a beautiful word, and His word is beautiful and refreshing. It told me in 1 Samuel, you know, that I heard the word moping. Now, I'm a very Afrikaans-speaking lady. I come there, I die transfer, I jong, ons praat van ek en moed en kyk en alles is mooi. So when I heard the word moping, I wasn't even sure what it means. So I had to go and look what moping means. And some of you might have had a year like I did. But you know what? At the end of the year, sometimes we reflect on the things that went wrong. And sometimes if you had a good year, you reflect on that. But destiny is all of that happening to us. The good and the bad. Because God can use anything at any time to get us where he wants us. So moping means, for those of you who also don't know, wasting time moving around slowly, apathetic, lack of interest, just of a few things happening, losing, losing people I loved, losing them either to in death, and, and death cannot claim that victory, Christ comes for us, but also people falling away from the faith, and it hurts you, it, it troubles your soul. And I, God gave me this word, you know what? Stop moping. Get your oil, anoint your head with fresh oil, and get going. It's in 1 Samuel 16. And I want to encourage the church, if you are at a point where you you don't understand everything, and perhaps some things are going a bit slowly, you know what, don't look at that. Everything in our lives, we are at our destiny right now, where God wants us. Take up the oil of anointing, which is Christ the anointed one, and get going at what he told you to do. Because he is within you. He is, he is working in your heart. He is doing a great work. In 2012, the, the Lord told us, prepare for growth. And everyone is excited when God tells you, prepare for growth. And in 2013, he said, this will be a year of growth. And in 2014, the Lord cut away many things in our church, in our lives. And you never expect when the Lord says it's the time of harvest that he first needs to prune and cut away. And then you look only at the cutting away. But let me tell you what wonderful growth can come once the things that was hindering the work of God in your life. So I want to encourage you. 
at the end of the, the year, reflect on the things that you didn't like and on the things that you liked. And thank God that you are at the right place, in a perfect place of destiny for where you should be right now. And trust him for your future. Trust him with your future. When he says this morning when we had communion, remember me. Take time to remember what and in which way he has brought you to this wonderful place. And we are excited about the harvest that is in us, that is to come, and we are all a part of that. So Cape Town, I salute you. You're doing a great work for God, exploits for God, not just in other countries, also in this wonderful country of us. So be blessed, and what a wonderful year of harvest we are all expecting. Good morning. It is uh, a real privilege to be with you guys this morning. Uh, God is good. It's almost the end of the year. It's like, you know, when you, you've done a long race, then there, there's a couple of moments throughout the race where you go, man, where is the end? You beg for the end. You go, please. Let this be the end, and then it's not. How many have done that? You know, and so I'm just so glad I can see the end. <laughs> it's here, it's upon us. So it's been a, a wonderful year, like any other year, full of its problems, and every problem is a stepping stone to a solution. Uh, and it had all its uh, wonderful blessings as well. This morning I want to share with you on the power of the leaven of Christ in your life. The power of the leaven uh, of Christ in your life. It's interesting that throughout Jewish culture you, you see that uh, leaven is important in terms of the sacrifices that they brought to the, to the altar in Leviticus 2 verse 11, it is said that you shall not bring any offering or bread offering that has any leaven in it. Uh, so the, the bread offerings had to be perched from all leaven. We also know that the, the Passover feast, which was seven days in Exodus 12, for seven days uh, every household had to be cleansed from all leaven, the house had to be cleansed, and then they didn't, um, shouldn't eat anything that had leaven in it for those seven days. Now, um, this was you know, interesting to me. I was, what is the issue of leaven? Because uh, I don't know if you guys, I like anything baked. If you walk past a bakery and look at all the delicious pastries and all the nice breads, you just get the smell of that. You go, oh. Now, if you have anything without yeast in it that hasn't been leavened, then you sort of look at flat bread, pita, uh, and if you're into banting, then you probably can go with a, what do you call it, a, a, a pita, you know, a wrap, what do you call the wraps? And uh, <clears throat> so, there goes bread. Lord Jesus. <laughs> so, so, I had to understand what was the issue here? What is the story about leaven? And uh, the New Testament also, Jesus would use the, the metaphor of leaven 
when he says that beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. says that in Luke 12, verse 1. Now let's read that together, and that will be also my main uh, portion of Scripture today, will be Luke 12, from verse 1. It says, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. You can go read the whole portion of Scripture to give you understanding there. Uh, He also uses the same... uh, Understanding or the same sort of reference in Mark 8, verse 15, where he says, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Uh, now it's very interesting that the verb here, take heed and beware, is in the imperative continuous. So it means it's a command, but it's a continual command. So you have to constantly be aware and, and be careful of the leaven of, of the Pharisees and, and the Herod. I'll come into the detail of that a little bit later. Um, now let's first look at, at leaven. Basically what leaven did in the Old Testament times, they didn't use what we will have today, um, alcoholic, uh, you know, like beer or something like that. In the Old Testament they would use old dough, um, old bread, and they would then wrap that, and it basically rots, as you know, and then they would take that and put it in the new dough. So then what this uh, old dough does, or the yeast do, is it creates air. There's a fermentation that um, takes place, and that's what makes all your baked products rise. Um, And if some of you are into some nice buns, you get more air than you get bread. Uh, we all know the feeling. So I think, first of all, we can, we can draw a comparison spiritually here. That I think God's first issue with leaven was that what is unnaturally produced. So here's a glory that is created with leaven. So you get bread that is risen, that gives you the idea of a huge, nice you know, meal. And then when you bite it, you just get a whole lot of air. So, so let's call the word superficial. It's like you open a, a bag of Simba chips. Have you done that lately? Go, you nice chips, and you go open it. Where's the chips? It's like, you know, it's like, it's a ripoff. And uh, so that's the first basic understanding that you can get from, from yeast. Um, I'm going to read the following. This is from a... A rabbi, an, an old rabbiic uh, taught, and how they interpreted the scripture. They says, the first interpretation is the reference to old dough that was had become old and rotten, and now used to camouflage and make the bread look beautiful outwardly by corrupt means. The interpreters of the Holy Scriptures do also say that the unleavened food is a gift of nature, but the leavened bread is a work of art. Since, therefore, 
The Passover is the commemoration of the creation of the world, and since that was inevitable, that the most ancient persons, those formed out of the earth, must have used the gifts of the world without alteration. For they are all unleavened, declares example of an unmixed food that has been prepared not by human skill for pleasure, but by nature for the most essential use. So what is he saying? He's saying that whenever you put yeast to the bread, it creates something superficial, creates something uh, that looks beautiful on the outside, yet it doesn't have any substance on the inside. Now, we know this in farming today, and it's interesting if you look at, um, at something that I'm very interested uh, in lately, is farming as a primary sector into the economy. And it's interesting that the whole of farming in the world at the moment um, is creating products that looks good for the eye. Uh, if you look at orange, which I come from, um, they do a whole lot of things to create a superficial product that is produced very quickly, that has the right color, so that yeah, the normal housewife that walks into a supermarket, she buys with her eyes, uh, she will buy the nice orange, yet it doesn't have this, the nutrition that we need. And so today we have a whole new health industry that provides you pills and superficial kind of product so that you can get a nutrition because food doesn't have that nutrition. So I think we, we understand the basic here that, that is coming, uh, that is introduced. Another interpretation um, is very interesting. It says, Yeast uh, is in theory uh, immortal, and uh, the Israelites have a chronometric system, however, and the entire worldview presupposes that time is not a continuous stream. It is and must be periodically, periodically, yeah. I kill it up period from period. Okay. Yeah, you know what that means. The law of unleavened bread ensures that the bread by which people live does not transcend time, at least within the Holy Land. Once a year, all yeast must be killed with a week of separation before the soaring of a new batch. Leaven symbolizes the undesirable misfortune, evil intentions, and especially ritual impurity. So to purge yourself from yeast is to start a new, to have a fresh start, to experience catharsis, metamorphosis, newness. Um, so, purging of, of then yeast was to cleanse yourself unto a new beginning. And I think that's why this word is also relevant for us ending this year uh, and starting a new year. So, Leaven to me, if I can draw just a few principles about what leaven does. First of all, it's a source from without that changes the, the molecular. What's that in English? Mol, molecular. That changes the molecules of the product. So what you know is um, it's, some, uh, outward product is used to change the inner DNA. Secondly, it's a secret operation. You don't know how it happens, yet it happens. Thirdly, it spreads by contact of participle with participle. That's just scientific now, but it, uh, it, ch it changes part particle to particle. So it's a very individual proce uh, process that ha happens. Next, it is widely diffusive. One particle of leaven 
being able to change any number of particles of flour. So you need a small yeast, and it changes the whole batch. So have that whole idea. And then lastly, it is organic. So it does not act like water or moistening. Um, it is like a plant. Changing the particles, particles it comes in contact with into its own nature. How do you get that? So it changes the nature of the flower into the nature of the yeast. It changes the DNA. Okay. Now it's interesting that we all know that the comparison is made that yeast is like sin. And so sin does that. And I've, I've used this example before, and please don't be offended, but... Um, you know, I lost a few kilograms, and, and I noticed that when you gain weight, you gain weight everywhere. Your head gets bigger, your feet gets bigger, my ring won't fit, you know, it's like, but it creeps up on you. And then when you're really overweight, it just means that you, you know, you can't properly sit, you can't tie your shoes, shoelaces. It's very interesting, you know, when you're so fat, you sort of bow down to to, to tie your shoelaces and while you're there you look for something else to do and uh, <laughs> but you know the, the, the negative about being overweight, overweight really is that you can't do what you used to do you can't run you can't hike you can't walk uh, you can't you know there's a lot of movement that is that is um, limited and that's exactly what sin does how I many you know that no one started smoking and couldn't leave and, and, and uh, stop smoking after the second cigarette. No, no, it was the first cigarette, the next one, and before long, it crept up on you, and then it's very hard to, to, to let go of smoking. Why? Because smoking changes your DNA. It changes the, the way that your body um, looks at it. It doesn't look at something external anymore. It looks as if towards it as something that it needs. And uh, I did a whole study on alcoholism, and it works in the same way. I don't know if you know this, that alcoholism actually changes your DNA, strain. That's why you become an alcoholic, and 20 years later, your body still is looking for this internal something that it thinks it needs. So that's why when you use alcohol over a long period of time again, you go into the whole relapse, and you're back into the old problem again. Uh, and, and this is exactly what Satan wants to do, is he wants to change your DNA. And if you think of, you know, how we were as humans and young little children, you know, young children aren't inhibited. They don't care about their bodies. I remember we were in this um, church plant, and there was a, a little young girl, and she was about four or five years old. She was a bit chubby, and, but she didn't know it. And she was just amazing, radiant, full of joy, uh, just, you know, you would just want to hug her when she comes in. So just a little energy and uh, everyone loved her and she was always so funny and we loved her. And I remember this one particular evening, she came in and I noticed something changed. could see it in her face. Joy was gone and what's going on? And I spoke to the parents, what happened to Tanya? She said, no, she went to school and they mocked her about her weight. And suddenly, the impression of man outside had an influence on her DNA inside. And from that moment, she starts, started to measure herself in terms of her weight. And we all know that stories, and we all have stories like that, where life presents in, you know, a, 
a yeast towards us, if you will. And slowly but surely it begins to change our DNA. That's why we need to be reborn. We need to be uh, rebirthed again back into our original DNA uh, so that we can get rid of sin. Now, to me the issue of yeast, just before I get into, into the next sort of subject of what I'm going to talk about to you today, uh, I first want us to really understand what is God's issue with yeast. Why did He... I had these people do this. And remember, for seven days, they physically had to clean the house. It was a physical exercise. They had to find all the breadcrumbs that were lying around and old bread and uh, anything that was fermented in the house, cleanse it out. And obviously, we know that God also wanted them to clean themselves uh, emotionally and spiritually uh, for the feast. And we understand that the seven-day feast came because they left Egypt, they had to leave in a hurry. There was no time for the bread to rise and all that thing. So that's why they had to take unleavened bread with them. But I personally think, well, in today there's evidence for that, that your leave, uh, unleavened bread is more nutritious, has more, has more substance to it um, than that you would have with many breads today. I know many of you guys going on banting, no, no, no bread. And I was going... How can I survive without bread? And then, you know, once I, I left out all the bread, I realized, I never knew this, and this you can go and study, I'm not a specialist in this, but the whole yeast activates the sugar. So the problem with bread is not the, you know, the starch, it's the sugar, uh, as m- many of you know. So, and you know, if you get all that energy, but you don't expel the energy with exercise, you just get energy without exercise. That's like getting your tank full and not getting moving. So then, it, you know, the body gets moving and it adds it to all several places in your body. So, now the thing is that I that I that I begin to see. Apostle Andre taught us that they climbed Everest with natural means. Um, our spirituality, our prayer life, our holiness, our walk as Christians is a natural process. It's something that we don't have to do all these exercises so that you know, Christ can, can be risen in us or can live through us. There's a natural way. With yeast, it speaks of unnatural means. And uh, you guys are in Harvester, you know, we, we become very comfortable with this being just normal and natural. But you come into certain churches, certain, certain churches, then uh, you can't make mistakes like that, you know, because you just lost the anointing. And, uh, you know, and there's a certain way that you should preach and they hype up and they work up a lot of things. Um, so it looks outwardly impressive, but yet, like you said this morning, Billy, it doesn't have the substance. doesn't have weightiness to it. Now, if you get into what Jesus was specifically, he, he went and he explained yeast and he gave it a name. He said, beware of the, the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Um, first of all, we, he gives the answer right in that scripture in, in, in Luke 12. He says the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. We understand that the Pharisees were very spiritual. You know, they did all this stuff and rituals and so forth. So what was wrong was the hypocrisy. Now, you understand that Jesus came and he says, he preached the first message Jesus ever preached. He said, 
Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We understand today that, that salvation is to have a new mind, is to have a new thinking. That right, the word metanoia means have a change of mind. And many of you actually came to salvation and know who our moment happened with you. Uh, that came later. But you had a change of mind about your destiny, about your future, about who you are. And because God, through the word of Christ that came to you, had gave you a new way of thinking. That's why we sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was blind, but now I see. And so I've discovered, like many of you, that salvation is still a continual process. I mean, I'm, I'm still, God is still saving me from old mindsets, uh, like the one I've just explained with Tanya, and you know, with her suddenly adapting a, a mindset of that she's unworthy because of her weight. Now, she needs salvation of that thinking pattern. Now, the problem with thinking is that thinking is really, uh, I thought I'm thinking, I'm thinking. But, you know, the problem with thinking is we think a lot and we think wrong, and then we end up in problems. I mean, uh, I mean we can't help life happening to us. But when your thinking is wrong about life that happens to you, uh, it, it brings you all kinds of problems. I had a pastor in our church, he got, his car broke down, and uh, it, it ceased. He came to me, and he's like going, we should pray and fast. The devil, uh, you know, did this to me, and my car broke down, and, you know, and he wants to stop me from anything. I said, listen, it's an old car. It's a 1990 Mercedes-Benz with 400 kilometers on it. It was happening. You know, it was sort of had to break. It's called grace that it didn't break. <laughs> Up to this point. No, the devil, the devil has nothing to do with it. Now he wants you to pray and, you know, get up and fasting and all that. I said, we're just going to trust God for a new car for you. No, no, we should pray. Oh, God, Jesus. You know, so can you understand? You know, it's just that simple thing about how you think. Now, the way we're thinking is this. Now, you need to listen. The problem with thinking is the first thought. Because you build a reasoning from the first thought. And then that reasoning becomes your evidence, which becomes your stronghold. Okay. That's why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, verse 3, 4, 5, it says, Our weapons aren't carnal, but mine in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, if you look at the, the background of that scripture, it's not talking of spiritual warfare. It's talking of preaching. The, the background of that portion of scripture is not prayer. It's not intercession. The intercessors took that scripture and they used it for prayer. That has nothing to do with prayer. It has to do with what you talk, what you preach. And the preaching of God's kingdom is reasoning with people about their mindsets so that you can challenge their mindsets with the word and get them free from those old mindsets. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And that's how you are free. So he says, our weapons aren't carnal, but mine and God for what? For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that is raised against the knowledge of God, taking the thought captive. So it gives us a process. First thoughts, then high things that exalt against the knowledge of God. Argument, strongholds. So you understand that process. Now, 
A simple, just to give you an example. The Pharisees, this is the problem. First thought that entered them was we can produce holiness without God. We can produce it without God's help. That's the first thought. That's where they start. Because they knew all the rituals. Just get the rituals and do the rituals. I don't need anointing for it. I don't need you know, God. I don't need its spirit. I don't need power. I just need to do all these things. That's why in many churches today, when the Holy Spirit doesn't sort of pitch up, no one will even notice. It's like this guy that went to an America and he... Uh, he was an Indian pastor, and he planted almost 200 churches, and so they had him in America, went to some of the big churches there. And uh, so after he visited all these churches, they asked him, you know, what is your opinion about the church in America? He said, it is amazing to see how far the church in America has gone without God. Because, you know, if your music is, you know, on time and the musicians are talented and, you know, everything is working on a program, you don't need God. So this is the problem of the Pharisees. It's hypocrisy. So they could put up a front of holiness, yet not having the power. And that we understand is Timothy. Uh, Paul speaking to Timothy and he says to them, they have the, come you know the scripture, they have the outward appearance of godliness, yet lacking the power. Now, just to sort of give you another example of how serious I am. You're all looking at me. Ach, I don't know. I know what you're talking about, but, you know, that's in other churches. So um, we are in Harvester. We are always spiritual, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God, Apostle. Okay, now, <clears throat> we, had a, we had a worship leader. She was leading the dance. And uh, this was one of our prominent leaders in our church. And while she was doing all that, she committed adultery. Kept it in secret for months. Went with us on mission tours. We didn't know. And I prayed, I said, God, this is wrong. What's the problem here? I mean, they would, she was doing all the rituals too. It's now called harvester rituals, dancing, coming to church, packing out the chairs, doing the duties. There's a whole lot of harvester religion too. Come on. It's the right stuff. But you can be doing the right things and you're a hypocrite. Okay? So... I prayed. I said, God, you need to give me understanding of what happened. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me this. He says, she got the gospel, but without the power. You see, hearing about Christ, talking about Christ, saying all the right things, doesn't mean you have the power. The power is what? Is the power unto godliness. It's the root of the word of God that works in your life a holiness that you can't work. Come on, people, just with me here. The power of God is not wah. The power of God is the power of Christ that works in you to pray when you don't want to pray. That works in you the holiness when you don't want to be holy. 
I've discovered that there's an opposite to, to Romans 7. Romans 7 says, the things I do not want to do, I do. The things I know I should do, I don't do. I found that someone who have discovered the yeast, let me just turn to today's sermon, I'm talking about the power of the yeast of Christ. Is the same way yeast works negatively, Jesus uses an example, I'm going to come to that scripture now, where he says, a woman put yeast in the dough, and he resembled the kingdom of God with that. So what happens is Christ within you, how many experience this? You want to curse that person, you get there, and then you're all spiritual. You go, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about, you want to you wanna go to the boss and tell him his story in seven levels, you know, you want to just go apostolic rebuke, and you walk into the office, and then you're all meek and kind, all like Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many experience moments like that? Well, that's the power of Christ working in you. It's a power, it's a yeast. It changes you from the inside, not from the outside. Amen. So now, now that you understand the Pharisees, now that's the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, biggest problem was they, had, they tried to produce holiness through works. This is also why Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 9, he says, Beware of the leaven changes and, uh, uh, what's the word he uses, corrupts the dough. Let's just read that portion for you. Galatians 5 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So what Paul was saying is, this is very dangerous ground. Because he's speaking to the Galatians uh, about the Judaizers, as you know, and the day I'm telling them, they're telling these new converts, they experienced the power of God, they experienced the power of the Spirit, uh, they came out of a paganistic uh, rituals as pagans. I just found this out, we taught in Galatians a few terms ago. The Galatians were the Gauls of Obelix and Asterix. Same guys. Okay, here's the assignment. Whenever you want to study Galatians, first study Obelix and Asterix. You understand the book. Very simple, all right? <laughs> really, it's the truth. They said that the Gauls that lived in that area were half-naked men that walked around with a knobkiri and a sword, small sword, and they, they created havoc wherever they went. The, the Romans loved them because if whenever they're on your side, you're going to win. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they were obnoxious people and, you know, obviously full of their rituals and pagan feast that they had. So they, the fact that they got saved gave me hope because I'm in an area where you have people like that. <laughs> you know, rough characters, you know, they barely can speak. They have half of the vocabulary that people have in the cities. Uh, you, know, they, you know, they're just different. And many times I said, why, Lord Jesus, you send me to, the, to this folk? And then I realized Paul Plon and his first church amongst the Gauls. I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So he got these guys saved. They experienced the power of the Spirit. They, they experienced tongues, the power, the gifts, all these wonderful things. And now the Judaizers said, no, 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 no. You need to fast. You need to pray three times a day. You need to do this. You need to do that. 
Now, let me just give you the book of Galatians in one short. Let me do it in a minute. Can I try to do it in a minute? Let's see if I can do that. The whole book of Galatians, if you could add everything about God in a circle like this, in a sphere. Let's talk about it, quick. Forgiveness, provision, kindness, God's mercy. Come on. God's love, grace, the peace, the joy, the fruit of the Spirit. What else you need from God? His presence, His Emmanuel, He's close to us. What else? Healing, health. So, sort of same thing, I thought. Okay. <laughs> what else? Okay, everything, everything, everything that you want in God. Here's it. You have it all together. It's called the Shekinah glory. Very simple. The Jews were outside. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get there? Oh, the law. Let's do the law. And they had all these rituals and things so that when they do it right, they can have forgiveness and joy and all these things. That's really the whole Jewish, is that right? Paul came and he was like a real radical and he said, no, 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 no. Very simple. You are in Christ. You in God. You in that sphere. So these guys started, first thought, always a first thought, they always started outside. We're going to church. We're going to worship and come into His presence. Come into His presence this morning. Come, 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 come. Always out. Do this and you'll be in. Tithe, you should tithe and God will bless you, my brother. Always out. These guys, Paul, very simply says, hey guys, you have it. It is within. You're already blessed. You already have peace and joy and victory in Christ. Amen. So we begin first thought in. It's just another way of thinking again. Are you getting? So now this is so important, people, because the living of the Pharisees are still here today. And it's so simple for us. With any new revelation to come, no, 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 you must first get this revelation and do this new trick and sing this song in this way. I, I heard the other day, this is so funny. This guy had a whole thing about the key, all our instruments are tuned in. And he says, through a whole Roman system, we don't tune into 444, that's the Roman system. The old Jewish instruments were tuned into through something else. And if we tune all our instruments back to that, the anointing is going to come. And I mean, and you know, in, in the first I go, this is cool. My, my, listen, don't look at me as if I, you know, I'm so holy. I mean, this is amazing. Let's just get, and I think, we are the tuners. Let's just tune all our instruments back, you know, it makes sense, you know, just, and I went, I'm out again. I'm out again. I have to chew my guitar, then I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and there's a whole meaning. You look at me this morning as, you know, what is this guy preaching about there from Clan William this morning? We don't understand half of what he's talking about. He's trying to get to the gist. But you know what? Any teaching comes along and we all go, yes, that sounds cool. I have to do that now. I have to belong to such a church. I have to do things this way. I, and then I'm going to. Because, you know, most of us experientially don't feel like we're inside this sphere. 
true. That's why Paul says we live by faith. So regardless of how I feel, I believe I'm say in. In, say I'm in. Now say it with meaning. I am in. Now say it with oomph. I am in. Okay, see there I get another message. You had to do it. Then you're in. You were all out until you said, oof. <laughs> Can you see how quickly it happens? Because we think we have to say this, we have to do this, we have to do Hey, this is the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees always wants to get you back to works. Okay, get that. Leaven of the Herod. Of the Herod. There were four. Okay, the one killed the babies in Luke 2. Uh, later on, uh, Herod was the one that beheaded John the Baptist. Later on, you know, we have uh, Herod in Jesus' time. And later on, we, we read of Herod uh, in the book of Acts. So there were four of them. And it basically speaks of the political, commercial, capitalist system we're living in. The world order. Okay, how many know what I'm talking about? We know that Herod was a killer of the gospel. He, was, he killed Christ, tried to kill John the Baptist. They tried to kill the first disciples, first apostles. Um, persecution happened via Herod. We know that Jesus said of Herod, he says, that old jackal, that old fox. You know, he, he, Jesus never, you know, he didn't even look at him. He never entertained him. He was not, Jesus was not swayed by his preeminence and his power. When uh, Herod wanted to see Jesus, he said, Achman, let him go to hell. Let him. He, had, he gave him no notice. Now, how many of you know that we're living in a world where finances is power? Come on, people. It's very important. And here's again, you know, many things that we do wrong, but I think one of the biggest problems that Christians do is we moralize money. We moralize business. We're always in and out. We live in compartments. We sit here in church. We're all holy. Karabashanta. And then uh, we take an offering and then it's like, where's the anointing? Have you ever experienced that? Presiding a meeting. Everything went like Holy Spirit power and then you take up an offering and went. Then you sort of preach the whole thing. (laughs) Get people to give. And then when we go out, and we're back into work. We're back outside the sphere. But outside of God's glory. And we're trying to do business. And we're in a world where Herod wants to kill Christ. Just, this is a whole new topic I introduce. And you can go and think a lot about this. But do you know that secularism is against Christ? That's why they have taken him out of the schools. Because Secularism is anti-Christ. You can't say we're secular, meaning we are open to everyone, and then we say Christ. You can't. If you want to be open to everyone, you have to be anti-Christ. So this is the vehicle of persecution. But now he's talking of the leaven. Why the leaven? Because, again, secretly, without you noticing, money has power over you. Just think about this now. It's like cigarettes. It's like alcohol. 
You have to work and labor hours to just pay all your bills. And when the Holy Spirit himself appeared to you saying, go do that, you say, oh, wait a minute. Come on, people. I can't because I must. <laughs> Hello? Because we have money is a big must in our life. It's become the big must. It's the thing that keeps us busy. It's the thing that makes us run around and labor to the point that we're so tired we can't pray. It's the thing that keeps us so busy and occupied that there's no time for evangelism and reaching the lost because I have to survive. Never mind make money. Is anyone here? So leaving of Herod is a big thing. It's a big thing. Let me just end there. It's a big one. And it creeps up on all of us uh, to overtake us and to change our DNA. That we become workers of a system instead of workers of God. Hello, yeah. Okay, now let me get into the good news. Say good news. I was preaching good news all the time. You just didn't listen. Okay, Matthew 13, verse 33. says, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, <laughs> which, is, uh, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Luke 13, 21 says the same. It's like leaven, which is a woman took and hid in three measures of meal uh, till it was all leavened. Now, the very same thing that the enemy means to harm is exactly the same thing how God changes us from within. You know what? The enemy can't copy anything. He doesn't have the power. He's not a creator. He is a created. So all that he can do is copy everything. So sin changes your DNA from without. Christ changes your DNA from within. And secretly, <laughs> I love this, secretly, the Word of God changes you from the inside. How many can testify? Just being in Bible school, I mean, uh, you were sitting to the classes, it didn't look like, you know, much, there was no big things happening, the curtains weren't waving, angels weren't appearing. But, you know, the Word of God began to change you and it released power. The power I spoke about earlier. A power towards holiness. A power towards godliness. Do you know, if you go study all the scriptures of holiness, the work to present you holy and blameless is always on God's part. Go study this. Wait a minute. The one doing the work towards holiness and getting you blameless. Who's doing the work? God. Paul, in Thessalonians 5, the end, he says, and may, he prays, may he present you blameless, holy, sanctified, spirit, soul, and body, preserve you for his coming. Who's doing the work? And Revelation, he says, and the Spirit and the Bride says, we're ready. Okay? So God's doing the work. 
Now, this is to me just a wonderful, wonderful, how can I say, promise this morning I want to give you. You know, many uh, of our parents raising children, we raise them in the way of the Lord. We bring them to church, expose them to the Word. And uh, we had a youth camp a while ago, and one of our uh, parents came, and he tells a story, and we, we married someone that, that we knew from 10 years old. Now they're getting married. So the father of the bride, he comes, he says, do you remember a few years ago? I said, yeah, what should I remember? He says, no, no, this one you're marrying. Remember she was so rebellious, wanted to have a navel ring and have to do this, and you helped us and gave us perspective and what, what. Uh, and now she's married. I mean, I totally forgot that. He said, but let me tell you something. When she was going through that rough patch, prophet came to me and says, do not worry. There's a boinky inside of her. She's a, he's saying she had a, she had good seed in her. What he was saying. He says, so wait, the seed will come up. Just relax. How how many of you know that when we try to change someone, they change to the opposite? (laughs) Have you discovered that? I'm going to change, I'm on a mission, I'm going to change you. Wives, listen now. Listen carefully. Okay? I'm going to change this guy. It's my mission. I'm going to, Lord Jesus, I am called to be an intercessor to get this guy changed. No, no. The more you try to change him, he's going to change into the opposite direction. How many of you know this is true? But the Word of God, it says in 1 Peter 1.23, is like an uncorruptible seed. Amen. Uncorruptible seed. And when, that, when Jesus is sown, when Jesus is released, something supernatural happens. Now, this really gets me excited. Because now I want to get into next year. We're in the end of 2014. We're looking for a harvest in 2015. And like yourselves, we are... I'm like a big listless V6 going, I'm so ready. I have, you know, I've been ready for a long time. Now you know what I'm talking about. So when these guys talk about big harvest, I'm going, man, we're ready. But there's a few things God said to me. You want to take notes? Take notes now. Patna notas. Naritait. Jesus said, God told me the following. He says, Jesus is our only product. He's our only method. And he's our only end result. As a church. Amen? Harvester has nothing to give this world but Jesus. We have nothing. The only thing that we have, we don't have buildings, we don't have big bands. We have nice bands, but I mean, you know, we don't have programs and all these nice things. We don't have any of that. And God allowed it like that. He says, but you have Jesus. You have people that have been groomed, that have been trained, that have been empowered by God's Spirit to represent Christ in the world. That is your method. We don't have any method. We don't have programs of this method and that counseling, this and this course. Our method is Christ. And then the end result, the only outcome that we are after is Christ. After every prayer meeting, after this morning service, after every song we sing, our sermon preach, 
with end result is Jesus. Amen? So that we all can come into maturity and the fullness of Christ. Amen? So if we talk about harvester, well, he is the harvester, but he's also the petrol, he's the means, he's the blades, he's the whole machine, and all of us together, I'm just getting goosebumps, that's a, totally unrelated to the sermon, <laughs> but I'm just getting so excited that we don't have to cry and figure something out, we have Jesus, amen, he's the yeast that God placed in our hearts, who secretly and slowly, you said slowly this morning, someone mentioned slowly, I heard it this morning somewhere, but slowly, that's how it works. That's why they couldn't use yeast when they escaped Egypt, because they didn't have time for this thing to. So God, God works a yeast in us, and slowly but surely, He's changing us from the inside. Amen. So don't let your thinking be corrupted. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to change your thinking continually. Uh, that he, he moves you. You know, just another, uh, before I go to the next thing you need to write down, but just a sub-note here on thinking again. Um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about last Sunday. We preached about small things, you know, and here's another uh, first thought. Whenever your first thought is lack, you're already outside of the kingdom. Your first thought, lack, you go. I don't have. That's your first thought. My bank account, I don't have. You look at what you can get, I don't have. Wrong thoughts. I mean, no, that's just not a kingdom thought. If you want to have a kingdom mind, Jesus says, I love it when you have nothing so that I can start with something. <laughs> you know the disciples, they said, go feed them. He said, ah, we have nothing. Wrong thinking. <laughs> go feed them. Brought, you know, two fishes, five loaves. Fed the multitude and they had more baskets left over than they started with. So there's a way to break the Herod thinking. There's the thinking that can break the Herod thinking. We're starting, and we're busy. I prophesied today myself. We're starting with a multi-million rand project in Uganda. The only offering we have is our Christ-likeness. We're offering a business plan and character and lives behind an idea that people go, we want what those people have. Come on, people, your richness is Christ within. Your richness is integrity and honor. Your richness is patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness. Come on! That's what makes you rich. So I, my first thought is not, oh, I don't have. Lord, what can I give? My first thought is, Christ is within me. He's busy working in me. I'm working as a, as a consultant to firms where we're hiring the whole time people. You know what? 
the biggest commodity in the, in the workforce world at the moment is true Christians. The president of Uganda, that's why we're entering that country, he said publicly, I want Christians and true Christians as my ministers. I want them in positions because then I know we will break corruption over this country. He made it publicly. He said that. How's that? Okay? Because the true, and I'm talking true Christians. I'm not talking Pharisee Christians who's hypocrites. I'm talking of real men that when they say something, there's substance behind it. When they talk business deals, they're not scheming. They're not coming with schemes and money-making schemes. They have substance behind them. There's integrity behind them. There's honesty and truth behind them. Amen. And that's how God is going to multiply the harvest of wealth this year. Giving you the key here. All right. Now, another thing to write down. What the Holy Spirit said about harvest? Christ, Christ is the sum of all things. Christ is the sum of all things. Watchman Nee wrote a book on this. You can go read it. Same title. Christ, the sum of all things. The one thing that has steered Harvested Church over the time that I've been part of it, 18 years, but way before that, Apostle Andre and Ola, that's the route we're on, is whenever we came through all the newness of this move and this new idea and this fad and this spiritual enlightenment about this or that, I can tell you historically, guys, Lee, you know this, there was moments in our history where God moved us back to Christ. That's it. It's not this prayer method. It's not this big idea. It's Christ. It's the sum of all things. Now let me end with this. If this is true, and it is, then weightiness has gone to a whole new level. Just think what I'm saying. Then the idea of weightiness, there cannot be a greater weight than Christ. There cannot be a greater authority, a greater power, a greater release of anything that you need than Christ. And here's it. Christ, when He becomes the sum total, we sang it this morning, I love that when Prophet uh, Apostle Lee sang, the government of my life is on His shoulders. So my life is total in Him. I don't exist outside of Christ. Christ is my way. Christ is my solution. If you have marriage problems, well then there's an area in your life that you're not Christ-like. Go think about it and work it. Go repent. Come on, people. The only reason why people get divorced is because of their unchrist-like nature. Because they're selfish and self-centered, egotistical, building their pleasure and joy on someone else's failure and heartache. How more selfish you can be. Amen? So if you have marriage problems, go and seek out 
What is not Christ-like? That's the whole marriage course in two sentences. <laughs> okay. Uh, in business, where if you lose, lost business, go and check it out. There are areas in your business that your business is not Christ-like. Is anyone here? You have been offering something that you're not producing. Where have you been putting out the product that you're not substantially can back? Where have you promoted work that you wanted to say you can do, but you're not doing it? Which is now the case with work. I mean, no. I mean, if you've got any artisan to do any work for you, they promise you the moon and they build you a squatter camp. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay? Uh, here's, a, here's a business idea for you, and I'll end with that. I just thought about this a while ago. I was just being funny with myself, thinking this is going to be a nice business scene. I'm going to start a new business. I'm not, but I'm just metaphorically. I'm going, I'm going to advertise a really high salary for bricklayers, builders, plasterers, painters, you know, that whole thing, and offer them twice as much that any business offer them. Then I'm going to put out a competition, and I'm going to have uh, uh, idols for builders. <laughs> These guys are going to come and be on video camera. I'm going to time them with a stopwatch and, and, you know, and all that. And let them see who's the best builder, brick, bricky, you know, that builds the wall the fastest, placed in a nice, best painter. Once I've found 20 guys that are, to- that are like genius beyond, I hire them and then use all that video material for my marketing campaign for the next house I'm going to build. I promise you I'll be busy <laughs> till Jesus comes. <laughs> Come on, why? Why am I joking like that? You know what? Because there aren't bad guys anymore. That, you know, that, if, that are really good at their trade. Uh, and we're offering things we can't do. So the solution even to your business is Christ. The sum total of our lives is Christ. So, this is just so wonderful. At the end of this year, I say, Jesus, rid me and cleanse me of all yeast. Self-promoting, arty, that's the word I read, you know, artful, skillful engineering to produce something that's not real. (laughs) Alan, we can do that on Facebook. I've never seen anyone put on a Facebook, Facebook photo of themselves looking ugly. Anyone, everyone else looks miserable, but you always. <laughs> the best one there. You know? <laughs> so we let go of all our self-effort engineering, trying to improve ourselves. Jesus is not the next best self-help book. He's the answer. So I'm not into any method. Get rich schemes. You know, all this stuff that the world is thinking of. You know, they're keeping us busy with all these methods where Christ is so simple. This message is such, it's a, it's a Sunday school message this morning. So simple. Let the leaven of Christ. My ears are too big. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, just there we are. Just open your heart to God. Holy Spirit, we just allow you this morning 
to come and purge us. Purge us of wrong thinking. Purge us, Lord, where we, we at times think like a man. We think carnal. We're afraid of loss. We're afraid of financial lack. All these things that keeps us in bondage. Come, just there where you are. Just let's all come, Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, that you would just come and cleanse us. Give us a mind swipe of 2014. <laughs> cleanse us from all old thinking. Trying to use old dough. Using old methods. Come and cleanse us. Come and cleanse us. Let this be the meditation of our heart as your spirit speaks to us. You, you put your finger on every thought, every leaven. I pray, Lord, that you'll expose any leaven of pharisaical leaven, any herod leaven, any sinful leaven that persists in our hearts and our minds and our consciousness. Just come and cleanse us. Our hearts, Lord, is for you. And then I pray and I want to thank you. Let's just all thank God for the leaven of Christ. Come, just give glory to God. Lord, we know that without works, without works, by pure faith and reliance on you, trusting you and only you, you are working within us. You are producing a holiness in us that we cannot produce. You are working a Christ-like nature in us that we cannot give to this world without you. You are working in us, Lord, and we thank you this morning. You are working in us, Lord, a standard. It's not us who raise the standard. You are raising. Your Spirit is raising a standard against this flood of immorality, the world we live in. Come, just there where you are. Why don't you just stand with me and just give God thanks. Lord, we humble ourselves. We thank you for the yeast of Christ. Help us this morning that we notice and take notice of the secret work that Christ is doing in our hearts. Where you are changing us, moving us, imploring us, sanctifying us, presenting us blameless before your Son. Thank you, Jesus. Come, let's pray out loud. Just thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the power of the Christ-like yeast of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're the lifter of our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we this morning do not despise the days of small beginnings. We do not despise the small work, the subtle movements of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the subtle, secretive, hidden way of Christ that you are producing in us, working in us. Slowly but surely you are maturing us.
into a completeness in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that this morning we can rest. We can rest in faith. Rest and rely totally on you and the sanctifying work that you do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Just acknowledge the work that Christ is doing in you. Just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge Him in your life. Just acknowledge His power in you. It is you. It's all about you. It's all about Jesus, the kingdom within.
Just go lay your hands on someone. Just go share something of Jesus.